Jeff from S. Yes. This is Jay Michaels. Oh, hi, Jay. How are you? <laughs> Not bad. If I'm on the line, you're on the air. How are you doing? Oh, crap. Wait, are we on the air right now? Well, it's recorded, so so don't worry about it. But yes, we are. Okay. Hey, hey, hey now, hey now. I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I have three types of callers. I have I have the person who who knows I'm calling and immediately gets on. Hello, or or I get the person going. Hi, uh, what's going on? And they don't seem to care. And then and then we have yours, which is my absolute favorite. Are we on the air? Yes. Hi. <laughs> yeah, you know you gotta you gotta you gotta. Yeah, putting on uh, tales from the crypt for my son. Tales from the crypt keeper. Sorry, going for. Okay. Don't want to have nightmares now, do we? Here you go. Here you go, Jordan. Here's the gorilla paw. What's going on with you, Jay? I am. I am okay. How's everything where you are? Where are you? Uh, you know, uh, I'm in Westchester, New York. Westchester. Oh, you're in you're in the the really scary part for a while. Supposedly. Where, supposedly. That's what I'm. That's what I'm told. Were you near that particular epicenter? Um. Well, you know where New York. Uh, what's it called? Um, where? Yeah, I'm right near New Rochelle. Okay. Then yeah, you 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 were close by. So every everyone safe and okay over there? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're weathering this just fine. No, no, no big deal. No big deal at all. So, so, so as a as a as a horror filmmaker, I know you have you yeah. you know uh, you have something on Terror TV. Uh, uh, I've been asking all the horror filmmakers this. I used to make the joke when this first started. I said, "Wow, this is like a horror movie." So I I figured I'd I'd ask those who understand it. How is this like a horror movie? What do you think of what's going on out there? Um, you know, it's funny, actually. I made, I've i never made a meme in my life, but I, uh, you know, because the thing, thing about memes is, you know, brevity is the soul of wit when it comes to memes. You know, you gotta you got to anticipate what's going to be funny, and you got to get there before anybody else does. Right. And so I, I, t- I did that classic uh, Ned Stark uh, something, something is coming, you know, the winter is coming. And I said, uh, I said, uh, Corvid, I said, quarantine, uh, viral film, uh, brace yourselves, quarantine, viral vid, uh, uh, films coming. Uh, yeah. I it was so yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna come by the, uh, they're gonna come by the boatload. But, um, no, uh, ask, ask me that question one more time. That's the question you just asked. Go from, ahead. from your that, point uh, of view, from, from someone who understands the, the fright film. Uh, what's going on out there? How do you interpret what we have here? Well, I mean, what we have here is reality. This is reality. Yeah. And all, you know, all horror comes from some real place. You yep. know, at the end of the day, we make horror and we consume horror because it's a, it's a, it's a coping mechanism from a distance. It allows us to empathize uh, and process situations that we never, ever, ever want to be in, yet for some reason we need to experience them. But we experience them from our, from our uh, screens instead of, you know, in real life. This is partially why, and, you know, and that's why I, I truly think that there's like, you can, take, you can take real situations, like, you know, everything that's going on, and you can make some fictionalized. That's why I personally uh, detest true crime. 
Uh, when, especially when they're like recreating something that happened to some, really happened to someone uh, for profit. You know, that's why I hate those Manson movies. That's why I loved, you know, it's not a big, t- spoilers, it's not a huge, huge, huge fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I loved, 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 loved everything that they did with Sharon Tate because uh, to, to turn her story into something not so tragic, you know, when everybody capitalizes on the tragedy. Of course. And, uh, and so, yeah, yeah, like, what we're going through right now is, it like, you know, is it a horror film or is it like horror film or is, you know, is there a horror? Of course there, of course, you know, but, um, but I mean, that's what, that's what everything is, you know, that's what all, all, you can, you can pull parables or messages or themes out of, out of any, any horror film. I mean, or, or just look at, look at a great example of, uh, is, uh, Invasion of Body Snatchers more sci-fi, but that's like, you know, that's the invasion, uh, the invasion of the commies, you know. They're, the communists are among us, you know. Uh, they're, they're, they're underlying, they're just like us. And, and we don't know, uh, your next door neighbor could be a commie, you don't even know it. You know, paranoia, you know, uh, Godzilla is the fear of the atomic age, you know. One of the most terrifying horror films I ever saw is not even really a horror film, it's more of a docudrama, it's called Threads, it came out in 1984 on the BBC. And just all it is is just about the devastation that a nuclear uh, a nuclear bomb would cause, and it just it, it gutted me. It devastated me. It was it was more terrifying than any of the Friday the Thirteenth films that I'm currently cycling through right now. I've never seen huh. them before. So they they all get formulaic, but they all have that one message somewhere in there. It's slightly different each time, but but they they all give you that little creepy parable. Uh, it's it's an interesting point you bring up. Yes, this is total reality. Uh, that that we're dealing with here, and and uh, do you think? Uh, hold on one moment, please. Yeah, no problem. Could you turn it off? Um, I'm doing a million things while speaking to you at this at this particular okay. hour. Um, do you think that uh, we as 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 horror folk, if you will, understand what's going on more than most? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that for sure every filmmaker out there is like, whoa, we're going through a pandemic. I'm going to make a pandemic film, you know, that, that sort of thing. But that speaks to what, you know, what I previously said before in, you know, you don't need, I, I don't think you necessarily need something real to invoke real things. Like, for instance, like, we're kind of, at the same time as, like, this being a pandemic, this also very much feels like the beginnings of what, you know, the, the, uh, uh, what happens at the beginning of Night of Living Dead. You know what I mean? Like, it, it really, uh, I, I think that you can really plug in, you can plug in a lot of different situations, because what, because what this all boils down to is, or the horror is really about, like, how humans behave or at least one, I guess, one angle that you can sort of look at, look at this, look, look at all this through and like in a prism is how human beings behave in this sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that at a government level. We're seeing that at a, you know, there are some people who are sociopaths and just walk into supermarkets knowing that they're sick and just cough and sneeze and don't care. There are some people who are sick and, and, and set out to infect people and are being charged with uh, crimes of terrorism. There are some people who are, you know, have become incredibly acrophobic and they're just locking themselves in. You know, people that they love and care and cherish, what they, you know, are just, you know, just 
blowing themselves in. And then there are other people who are who are like rising, rising to the challenge of becoming like these heroes, these unsung heroes. Case in point, you know, uh, uh, retail workers that are still, you know, in their sort of like you know bagging groceries and ringing people up. It's like. You know, some people say, oh, they don't have a choice because they don't have, you know, I mean, they, they only get paid if they go to work. So, of course, you know, they're going to go to work even under the circumstances. But, you know, I I don't think that. I think that they're, you know, sort of like out there doing their thing. And that kind of reminds me of like, maybe that's kind of like the ash, the ash complex. Like, you know, huh. the, uh, the everyman, the everyman that rises to the challenge and, and becomes a hero. You know, because Ash is just a everyman. That's why that's why people love him so much. Because he's just, uh, you know, he's just a guy. He's a guy who works at at Smart, and he gets thrown into this situation, and he becomes this uh, this great hero, this great warrior, this guy who kicks kicks ass. You know, but ultimately, what is Ash doing? He's like he's like facing off against the boogeyman. You know what I mean? Like he he uh, he arms himself to the teeth with whatever resources he has, and he. He just faces the boogeyman, you know, full on. And that's what these people are doing. They're facing the boogeyman that is this pandemic full on. You know, I see like the mailman coming, wearing a mask and everything. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you for your service. Keep, you know, keep. And he's just like, I got it. It's just his job. Just got to do it. You know, just got to get out there, and, you know, plug away. And yeah. You know, that's really brilliant. Uh, you, you, you've summed up a whole facet of horror movies that I've, I've not even really thought of very deeply. The, a major facet of all of them is some form of transformation. Now, we normally look at the transformation as, as the, into the monster, if you will, or the, the monstrous right. moment. But it's the hero also. They could be anybody. They could be the box boy. They could be the, the waiter. They don't have to be the great hero at first, but it, for, it, it makes them transform into something. Yeah, I really like that. I like that a lot, actually. It's like my kind of one of my favorite uh, sort of tropes, and I really think that that kind of started. That kind of started with Ash. But the thing is, you know, you know, those dudes were, in, were influenced by like the Three Stooges, and you know, and their ilk. And you know, one of one of those one of the Three Stooges contemporaries was you know uh, Abbott and Costello, and those yep. guys were just like they were also also like the Three Stooges. They're just every men find themselves in these situations with these universal monsters and, you know, have these bumbling adventures and they just sort of like, they sort of fall their way through it and, and, and end up unscathed. Um, you see it in uh, a movie like, uh, I'm trying to think what else, um, I don't know. But yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's very, uh, or at least that's how I, I, I choose to look at, at, at those, those, those heroes in, in, in this situation, nurses, we see that in every 80s uh, movie, if you will. There's always the group of teenagers, the group of people or whatever, and they stumble upon the, the, the satanic book or the trap door or the ancient cave or whatever the case right. may be. And, and some, of them, some of them obviously are killed. They just they don't have it in them, if you will. Uh, and others become great heroes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. So just all of us just basically staying indoors... And just making sure we don't make others sick, we're actually becoming a hero in some way. Yeah, we're fighting. We're fighting the good fight. We're fighting the good fight by not fighting at all. That's that's essentially it. By uh, you know, just just keeping to ourselves, we are uh, hopefully fighting the good fight. And you know, I'm. And the, you know, the thing is, not only not only uh, is every filmmaker, big and small, influenced by the today's current events and what's happening. 
but also due to the wonderful, beautiful democratization of the technology that is, you know, uh, DSLRs and laptop computer editing suites, you know, you now have, everybody's going to be making uh, these pandemic movies. Oh, sure. That that winter is coming, quote. And I bet you a, a whole handful of them are going to be really, really great. I know personally... There's a, there's a contest going on with Drew Moore, and I wasn't going to do anything. But this contest, I thought, you know, I, this, I came up with the, the contest has to do with uh, quarantine, which to me, I, you know, again, I, I really, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of chasing threats, but uh, I did think of a, of a hook that I think would be a really interesting vehicle. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if something, something comes from it. It's not a, nothing set in stone. Oh, that's so cool. Um, Good for you. You know, like, like you know, the, thank you. But, you know, it's like going back to, like, a great example, like going back to uh, a, a movie like Night of the Living Dead, you know, like it, it's amazing how it's amazing how something can be elevated to something else. Just like as we were just saying that every man can be elevated to a hero. It's also amazing how, you know, a situation becomes a different situation when you change one little thing. So if everybody's doing like the same quarantine movie, like there's one little thing out there that if they, whatever it is, I don't know what it could be, but if they just tweak it, that whole situation is going to become something else. Case in point, once again, look at Night of the Living Dead. Oh, for sure. You know, they, in, they intended to cast um, the part of Ben uh, as a white man, supposed to be a white guy. Right. And they cast him as, as a black, and he was, and they, they, they cast a black guy. Um, and the and what, what's amazing about that is they, they there was no there was there was no thought in it other than the black guy was the you know <laughs> he was there the job. exactly no he was just the best he was the best guy for the job Dwayne Jones incredible incredible actor he he was the best man for the job but what happened when they cast him and put him in that movie suddenly he becomes the protagonist against an antagonist who's white and suddenly. There's a level of tension that has nothing to do with the story. It has everything to do with a, this black man and this white man have tension, and you you know you think it's about the house, you think it's about the riot, the rifle, but yet on another level, on a deeper subconscious level, it's like the color colors of their skin. It was a vast parable. Interesting. Yeah. What, yeah, yeah, what was yeah, meant yeah. to just be a so twist horror movie ending turned out to be this this major statement about racism and. and Everything, especially oh. in the last few years, it's amazing how that ending has come back to life in terms of like not come back to life, but it just it, it's just it's 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 a testament to its enduring quality. In that you know you have all these like these these cases of you know talk about like real life events or you know yeah real life events like you know uh, influencing fiction and vice versa. You know you have all these you know you have all these black kids getting shot by, by white cops. Yeah. And it's like, boom, this shit was happening 50 years ago in Night of the Living Dead. Right. You know? And it's like, and you know, and, and you, when you watch that ending, you go, he points to, he points to Ben, who's, who pops his head out of the window, and you know, you don't know where they are in the country. The guys kind of look like rednecks. I mean, and you could easily convince yourself that he's saying, oh, look, there's a black guy, shoot him. <laughs> he doesn't necessarily think he's a zombie. He just saw, saw a black guy and shot the black guy. They're shooting zombies and black guys. And that's what, it's just, it just, like, whether they intended it or not, they made such a statement on race 
and, you know, just everything that's going on. And that's why Night of Living Dead will always be one of the best films. And that's why, you know, the reason why I bring up Night of Living Dead is because, you, you know, you're bringing up how, like, you know, real life and horror and exactly. you know, the connections and stuff. And it's like, that's why I love Night of Living Dead so much because it's just connected to so many real themes, so much real, there's so much real stuff in there. You can say so much, you know, people talk about the Vietnam War and they talk about, you know, you talk about, uh, uh, just uh, pow- the power struggles between men. The- there's the race thing. There's just there's so much going on. And you know, for years, people were like, "Oh, you know, uh, Barbara." He wrote Barbara as like this nut, this witless girl who can't, who doesn't know any. You know, she runs to the house like a scared girl, and 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 you know, uh, just does nothing. She's useless on the couch. She's not useless on the couch. She's suffering from PTSD. Oh. She saw her brother get murdered. That's right. You know, and it's like, and it's like, wow. It's like, wow. He's, this isn't some. This isn't some. The invention of some ridiculous trope about women. He's like, he's talking about the effects of violence on on the psyche and, of and how it causes people to go into a catatonic state. Because for years I'm watching, like she doesn't do anything. She sacrifices herself. Yeah, that's it. You know, like, but she's just kind of like there. And then I was like, one day, it's just like, no, man, she's suffering from PTSD. That's right. Her bro- she gets to watch her brother get murdered. And she's she's like, people are coming back from the dead. She's like, she's freaking out. And that's one of the very real things that would happen in a in a, in a pandemic, you know, in a global pandemic. Oh, of course. Thing. People are going to have crazy PTSD. I'm sure half of those quarantine movies are going to be focused on the agoraphobic aspects of like, I need to stay inside because I'm afraid I'm going to get sick. Right, right. You, we can also go back to the to the whole uh, uh, outer enemy, if you will, the enemy you can't see because we have, the enemy is out there. We don't know where they are by the fact we have to keep swabbing and and covering our faces and whatever the enemy could be anywhere so so we we could we could create a parable of anything from technology to terrorism to 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 anything uh, because it's the unseen enemy yeah. oh jeez yeah, totally. there well you're scaring me um what are you doing now what's uh, what what movies were, have you done were you doing what's what was what was going on before you decided to lock yourself in um, well, you know, it's funny. They say that they don't, not they say, in my experience, in, in a lot of different people's experiences, but in my personal experience, you know, making your first feature-length film is, like, one of the hardest things. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do in life if you're just making it with no money. Oh, sure. And, and you know, people always talk about how hard it is to make your, their first film. And, you know, uh, just... It's just really hard. But nobody ever talks about how hard it is to make a second film. That's even harder. And uh, that's, what I, that's, what I, that's what I was struggling with. You know, I made my first film, and, you know, what happens is you make, your, you make, you make a film, and then you rest on your laurels. You go, I did it. I did this big thing. I, I, I climbed to the top, and then you try to promote yourself, and you try to build your brand, and you go, hey, look at me. You know, I try to do this thing. And, you know, all the while, you're going, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to get, I just want people to know who my name, you know, in the sense of, like, you know, trying to build, build brand awareness. You're like, oh, yeah, that's that guy that did that movie. It wasn't that great. But, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder what else he's going to do, that sort of thing. You know, trying to build, um, you know, when you're building up a house and you're just like, you're, you're, you need to start somewhere. You have to start at the bottom. You got to lay, I don't know, what do they do? They, they put down, you got to put down, before there's any concrete, there has to be a really firm 
you know, bed of dirt, right? And so it's like, yeah, it's like that first film. It's like, all right, this is, everybody thinks they're going to have a, a basement with their first film, but you know, if you're if you're thinking more pragmatically and realistically, you just go, oh yeah, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna lay down this bed of dirt, and then I'm gonna pour the concrete over it, and then I'll I'll build the basement, and then I'll finish the basement, and then we'll, we'll move our way up to the second floor, and then the third floor, and right. well, maybe I'll have an attic if I'm lucky. If I'm lucky, I'll get an attic. And so, um, and so yeah, I was like, I'm kind of was just like, yeah, all right. I patted down this dirt floor; it's all flat and level and surface. Now I can pour down this concrete, and it's like. It takes forever to pour down the concrete, you know. <laughs> and, uh, for anybody who's lost by my analogy, I just mean like, you know, trying to make the second movie. It's like you, you get there, you finish the first movie, it trains you, you get you're really, really tired, and the thought of doing everything that you did to make that first film uh, makes you even more tired, and so you procrastinate and you get fearful, and you're like, oh man, like I don't know if I can do this, maybe I can't do this, maybe I can't do this. Uh, you don't have the money. You spend all the money on the first film. How do you oh, make, of course. You make money off of that first film. So how do you can make the second film? And uh, and then you know what? Uh, and and in my case, I just you know I wrote a script and I I basically have been not sitting on it. I've just been working at the. I, I I'm going to speak about myself in the third person for a moment. I work at the speed of Jeff. I can only go <laughs> as fast as I can go. You know what I mean? Like I completely I understand that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like any any creative understands that because, you know, especially if you're creative and being creative is not your full-time job. So being creative is your full-time job. You go, all right, pause everything. It's nine o'clock. Nine to five, I'm going to clock in and do my thing. But if you're if you're working, if you're doing all your work outside of nine to five because nine to five is your, your, your day job to uh, support uh, what it is that you're doing, um, then, you know, you go as fast as you can go because there's kids. Maybe there's kids. Maybe there's a wife. Maybe there's, you know, whatever. There's, there's a hundred different things. And, um, and then finally, uh, after I cast most of my movie, this, this second movie, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh man, I didn't cast the, the, the other lead. But I was like, man, it's already like February. Like if I'm going to get somewhere, I bet I'm, I, I got to start shooting. So without casting the other lead, I picked all the scenes that I could shoot without that other lead. Oh, wow. And I set a date. I set a date. I, I, I put together, uh, I put together a shooting schedule for, uh, it's a 48 hour shooting schedule, 18 pages of the, no, uh, it was 15 pages, it was, no, it was 16 pages of the script, but it was 20% of the movie. So I put, so I was basically gambling. I was like, I'm going to put, I'm going to put 20% of the movie on this one weekend. You know what I mean? So this was, that's what I was doing. I was going to, you know, I'm going to be a weekend warrior. I'm going to shoot in these, in these shooting box. And that, and so I, I, I set this date two months out and no, not two months out, more like, more like five weeks out, Okay, date five weeks out. And then I just start prepping my ass off. I prep and I prep and I've never prepped like, like this before in my life. Cause that's what I do. You know, I, I set a shooting day, I prep for it and then I shoot and then I set another shooting day and then I prep for it and then I shoot. Have and, you shot you know, already? Well, so yes. So what happened was. We set this weekend for, which was the first weekend of March. Uh-huh. It's funny because we were talking about doing the second weekend of March. We set the weekend for the first week. We set the we set the, the week for the first week of March. Uh, I'm and I am just. I've never done so much script coverage and shot lists and you know uh, you know I'm building props. I'm just doing. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm canceling any extracurricular things that I might do in my spare time, except for going to the Alamo Draft House, which I. Is like my church, so I'll I, I go there. But that's like the one thing that I, 
yeah, yeah, if the season passed, I would have to go to, to, to the Alamo. But other than that, everything else canceled and then just every day getting off work, going down to the basement, clocking into the second job, which is, you know, after the kids are asleep, which is uh, just trying to get everything organized and set up and, and, and ready to go. And you know what? I went into that shoot and, you know, I had to shoot it in a particular way where I, you know, I didn't have a lot of money to, to, to pay crew. So I had to take on a lot more hats. I mean, the, the classic indie story. Oh, of course. Filmmaker. But, uh, and, and, you know, ultimately what a lot of people, some indies, the, the less mature ones, they'll blame everybody else for their mistakes. But I knew going in that whatever happens, I have to own it. It's 100% my fault if I fail because I'm choosing to make a movie this way. But the flip side of that is, if I don't make a movie this way, I won't be able to make movies, period. I hear you. Because I can't afford to. Well, indie begins with I. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so it's like a catch-22. So I set the date, and I'm like literally the entire, like, like, you know, two two weeks out, I'm just starting to prepare myself emotionally for for the very possible reality that I'm not going to get, that I'm not going to finish the shoot because of... You know Murphy's Law because of uh, the fact that I've taken on just way too much. You know, Did like you get anything in the can by by the time you had to lock down? So so uh, come the day uh, I so come the day we and you know the thing was we were shooting all the apartment scenes so that was like the thing that the one thing that I did that made it all possible to shoot twenty percent of the movie was I. I, I made sure that all the scenes were apartment scenes in this one place. 20% of the movie happens in one apartment. Happens, there are a lot of different locations. Because, you know, the thing is, if you're making a micro-budget film, which this was, sure. the way to make your movie look bigger than it is, look like you've spent more money, make it look, just, yeah, make it look bigger, is have more locations. Uh, but that also brings a problem, because, you know, the one thing that will kill your film shoot is switching locations. On the oh, same of course. That will kill you. So you have this choice. It's like, okay, well, you know, I'll shoot longer. You know, instead of shooting, uh, instead of shooting a movie in, 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 in 15 days, I'll shoot a movie over eight months and I'll shoot, I'll go to each, you know, wherever, you know, try to group locations as close to the, as close as possible together. So that way, you know, there's not that much lag time. Yada, yada, yada. I'm going off on a tangent. Back to this thing. So Yes, we're running a little out of time. So I was just, I, I, yeah, 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 I yeah. wanted to hear the reveal. It's not much of a reveal. I, I went into battle. I we we ended up getting, every, and you know the whole time I just kept thinking, I'm not. It's not going. We're, we're probably going to fall behind schedule, and we ended up making the whole day. We got every single shot that we knew. As a matter of fact, by the end of day one, we were actually ahead of schedule, and it just goes to show that if you really that that it really goes to show that with enough time, preparation, and uh, you need the right balance of of ego and humility. You know, you can't. You have to have confidence in yourself that you can do it. But at the same time, you have to be afraid. There has to be a very, very healthy fear that you might fail. But then, at the same time, you have to have this attitude of like, I got to try my best. Because of course. I absolutely do my very best. So that way, if I do fail, I know that I put a hundred and ten percent about how crushed I am that I didn't get my day. There was a there, another filmmaker I spoke to. He. He summed it up really well, actually. He, he said, he was on his second film also. And, and he said, the first film you go into it in terror, uh, because you don't know what's going to happen. And in the second film, you go into it in terror because you know what's going to happen. 
yes, that's so true. But that, but that, that also that tempers your emotions of like, you know, I might not make my day. And then halfway through that first day, I'm starting to go, oh, oh, actually, okay, okay. Because at first I was like, we were doing really well. And I'm going, oh man, like this is great, but I'm don't speak out loud yet. You don't know what's going to happen. You could, you know, something could happen. And, uh, and 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 we, it was like that's the whole shoot. We just we just we made our day. We made both of our days, and then the next week I was supposed to fly to Florida for for another film shoot, and I had to cancel my flight because the the COVID 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 nineteen the the newest monster. Yeah. Wow. So, but the, but the amazing thing was, I was watching all of all these friends of mine who are filmmakers cancel their shoots, and I'm crushed for them. And at the same time, I'm going, "Fuck, dude." You filmed the weekend before uh, COVID nineteen hit. You got twenty percent of your movie in the can before this whole shit hit the fan. Could you imagine if you moved a week later after all that prep? You know, it's you funny you say that. I thought that was going to be your reveal, and you say, "Well, we moved it the next week, and then." But actually, you you get the happy ending because uh, uh, at oh, least you have the, well, no, you would no. you at least have that there. That you were able to complete before before any of this hit. In a way, it goes back to what your parable before. It was like uh, we we look at things one way and then we look at it another. Uh, you uh, yes, it's terrible. You haven't finished the film, but it's wonderful. At least you got something in there. There are people who who stopped in mid camera. <sighs> yes, yes, and and you know I did think in the back of my mind, and and again, uh, stop stop this whenever you need to for uh, for time consideration. Because you said you're you're running out of time. Um, the uh, the thing that you know, and of course, you know, when when you try to make a movie, you have to have plan B, C, D, F, G, all those sorts of things. And I kept thinking in my head, you know, if if for whatever reason uh, something happens, an act of God, whatever, I can't, or whatever whatever circumstances come that I can't, you know, shoot any more of this movie. You know, if it's because of this quarantine, if it's because of like things not returning to normal people not getting back to their jobs because not only is not only am I set back but everybody in the movie is set back and everybody sure. has different circumstances and everybody has to get back to a place where they feel you know open and comfortable to donating their weekend to shooting a no budget micro film of course uh, but I, I, I thought in my head I said well you know I, all the scenes are in the same location and you know you could definitely turn this 20% into a short film of course it, you, uh, could. Uh, you could definitely make a short film out of the material that you have no matter what as, you know, the, they say that, you know, Michelangelo, he had his block of granite and he had to look into it to find the uh, statue or whatever. There's 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 definitely a, a, a movie inside of the, the, the teeny block of granite, even if it's not a bigger one. Well, and, uh, Orson, uh, that, Orson Welles used to call filmmaking happy accidents. And, yes. and there was a, a wonderful story about him and he's with Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, and he was filming Peter Vagdanovich, and uh, he, he, from the camera, he screams, Okay, Peter, come running toward me. And Peter said, and, and Peter said Okay, well, well, what's my intention? And he said, I'll tell you when you get here. That's great. Do you, and, 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 he just, and he just was running, to, and apparently he just wanted that life from it. I, I, always, I always found it ironic that he didn't give him any intention. He just, he just wanted the natural, the, the natural happy right. accident of his arrival. Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, uh, you, you brought to light a whole different thing in terms of horror movies for me, in terms of transformation, which I'm going to take with me. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, a pleasure speaking to you. My pleasure. I hope the other 80% of your movie gets to gets done, and, and I look forward to hearing much more wonderful things from you.
Okay, man. Thanks Thank again. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate your time. And My your pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. Stay safe and well. Okay? Indeed. Same to you. All Ciao. Right. Thanks, Jake.